I hadn't fully verbalized this. I think I just kind of did it intuitively, but I had somebody in the, in our discord uh, say this to me. He was like, you know, I used to play video games. I liked video games, but now video games have gotten so complicated and there's like all this, I'm going to learn all this stuff. And, you know, and actually like, I'm really looking forward to just playing this where I can just kind of like chill out and drive and pick it up and play or put it down or, you know, and, and for me, you know, I'm someone I obviously have worked in the video game business. I love video games, but I also have that experience where some of the kind of modern commercial games, right, just to pick it up and play, there's like an hour commitment of like just getting to the place where you're going to do the mission or whatever it is. And going back to that kind of arcade style where you could kind of walk up, put a quarter in the slot, have a cool experience that wasn't with 500 menus and inventory system and quests and whatever, had a vibe, had great music, had a kind of attitude and style. Um, I do think that there's a kind of a connection there. It's funny, my brother, who I work with, uh, the thing he's been pushing on, which I'm like not promising to anyone, but it is a really fun idea, is he wants to buy an old motorcycle game physical cabinet like with the bike and build it out you know to put night run on there and i'm like oh my god it's gonna be so much work like please don't tell the people don't promise the people that we're gonna do this like but on the other hand i'm like looking at it thinking like oh that would be really really fun so i don't know we'll see no promises but it's definitely like an idea that's been floated internally here in the studio Welcome to UFO, a podcast where artists, musicians, and Web3 builders talk about the future, a place for revolutionary ideas. I'm your host, Nick Hollins. On today's show, Matto, generative artist, audio, code, and visual. He's the managing director of Thousand Ant, a creative studio based in New York, and comes with a background in the video game industry, formerly working with the developer community on behalf of Unity Technologies. Maddo put out Hypercastles in mid-2022, a community project to build a Unity game engine-based 2D and 3D explorer of the Terraform's on-chain NFT megastructure by Mathcastles. His new project is Night Run, which has an NFT mint this Friday, January 27. It's a conceptual art project with three parts. A motorcycle game, where you look at art in a generated city space, an NFT collection with imaginary fashion houses, and a series of videos with commentary. UFO Genesis Pass holders have access to register for the pre-mint raffle with limited spots available to participate in Night Run. The link is in the show notes and our socials. UFO art director Ivano Salonia collaborated on creative and design with Night Run, including for the logo and designs for imaginary fashion houses you'll hear about in this episode. We also explore the NFT's ecosystem that Matto and myself have been interested in over the past couple of years, with a few highlights including Terraforms, Blitmaps, Loot, Toads, and Nouns. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors helping to put UFO on the air. First, our friends at Zarian. UFO is a podcast that brings together the brightest builders, creators, and founders shaping the cultural side of Web3. And Zarian is the perfect wallet for these active citizens. Zarian combines every corner of Web3 in a simple and intuitive app 
for self-custodial humans. Discover the hottest NFT collections, track your DeFi rewards, and vote in DAOs across 10 plus chains. Come along and check out their new app on mobile. You can get started at zerion.io. That's Z-E-R-I-O-N dot I-O. Lens Protocol is the open source tech stack for building decentralized social media applications. It's a new era for social media in Web3. Lens isn't a social media app. It's a protocol to let Web3 social apps thrive, a permissionless and transparent social graph that is owned by the user. With Lens, your followers go with you to whatever application you want to use. And instead of being trapped inside the walled garden by an algorithm, Lens lets you choose the way that you want to experience your social media. UFO is here to help listeners get started with Lens. And for now, the best way to pick up an invite is interacting with UFO on Twitter. Follow us, retweet, post replies, and please let us know. UFO is available on all Lens apps at ufoclub.lens. To explore links for Night Run and art projects we talk about in this episode, check out the show notes at ufo.mira.xyz. Let's jump in with Matto, starting with the guiding inspirations of Night Run and how it's come together in this interesting approach of having these imaginary fashion houses built into a motorcycle video game and art world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... It's interesting because, you know, I've been like reflecting on this a little bit as I've been like talking more about the project. And for me, kind of, and I don't know if this is like anticlimactic for people, but it all comes up from the bottom, right? It all comes up out of the process and out of the kind of reality of the project, right? It's it's all about making within constraints right so it's like starting with you know like the original original genesis of the piece was that i was working on the game part of it and i had this idea for doing something that was a kind of a real like micro sketch of a game really just a kind of like a mood with some music and this ambiance of this like dark city and I had the idea for the billboards in that first idea, but but even that idea was like a, a very much motivated by what is kind of like one of the smallest kind of things that I can do that would be a game, right? So very much like operating inside constraints. And then, and so I built that and that was, you know, that was probably two years ago or something. So it's actually, this project has been like bubbling for a while. Uh, and I built that and I built it with the billboards in there. And I was putting these kind of like stock photographs with these words on them. But that was really corny and terrible. Uh, and it like did not, I, it like seemed really cool when I imagined it, but then I, I did it and it was terrible. So I was kind of like, okay, well, that doesn't work. So I kind of was sitting with it. And then, you know, like a year, maybe a year later, or it kind of was just sitting there. I was like, I would open it up and play it and be like, ah, this is still cool. I still like, I kept coming back to my mind, which is like a thing, right? I like put things down. And then if I don't forget about them, I'm like, okay, you're still alive. Like, okay, you're still here. Like, let's, let's see what this is. And so then I was, I got involved in, in Terraforms by Math Castles and the, it was really like a kind of an offhand thing that that 113, who's a kind of one of the main artists there, had said about putting the terraforms up on kind of 3D planes 
um, like standing them up vertically in a 3D environment. And he even did a little like test in Unreal and like showed some images of it. And I saw that and I was like, oh, like those look like billboards, you know? And then I was like, ah, oh. and it, it kind of brought back like the memory of the project. And I was like, oh, that could be cool. I could take the terraforms and put them on the billboards. It was like kind of a missing ingredient. And so I did that and that I really liked it. Like, and that kind of sent me down this track of like, oh, okay, actually maybe it's not just the terraforms. Maybe it's like artworks in general. And that kind of then opened up into, okay, then, you know, we have these different artworks and then how could it work? And, and, and sort of led me down the path and then to kind of cut to the, the token art piece, the, the four imaginary fashion houses in the game, I struggled actually to come up with, okay, we have these artworks, you know, the terraforms are in there. I knew I wanted to put heaven computer in there. Um, there were like a couple projects from the very beginning. I knew I wanted to put in and, but I, I didn't know what my collection to go into this would be right. Like I was like, it has to, it has to fit this world and it has to fit with the other pieces. And, and it also has to be something that I can make, right. And that I can make in an addition size, right. So it has to have some generative element, right. So that I can do a thousand or 2000 of them. And I really struggled actually. And I tried a bunch of different things and thought maybe it should be a PFP kind of thing, or maybe, it could, and, and, but really was kind of grinding through ideas, trying to find something. And it was only last summer when I got access to the Stable Diffusion beta, uh, when Stable Diffusion was just coming out, that I started to play with. Stable Diffusion was the first time I got access to a text-to-image model that could do ph photography-like lighting and texture, right? Because Mid-Journey was very postery and very painterly, which I really liked and, and used, but then, but it wasn't photographic. And, and so then when Stable Diffusion came out, it had this capacity to do like photographic texture, like realistic lighting. Um, and that I was like, oh, okay, this is something like this could be, uh, you know, okay, we have this capacity now to do like imaginative, strange photography, right? And so I started playing with it. And actually, it was a thing that a friend of mine, he's a musician, he was doing fake uh, band photos for his band uh, and and was making like these. And he was like, you know, and taking all this fashion influence. He was like, you know, all this like Rick Owens, very drapey black uh, fashion and making these like fake Rick Owens outfits for his band. And I was like, oh, wow, like you can really use AI right like you can curate fashion looks and and more than just looks but whole scenes and sets and and images uh with ai and that i was kind of like okay that's something and so then i started to i started to generate some images and and it was really through just through the raw process of making things and then having things like okay, these are obviously like different. Like, can these go together? Like these aren't the same thing. Like, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's two of them. Right. And then it was like, oh wait, actually. And really they're kind of like clusters of in latent space. Right. It's like finding this like little area of the vector space in the AI model 
where there is a cluster of visual information, you know, that you're searching through by prompting and finding these little spots where it was like these certain color palettes and these certain kind of feelings. And so then I had two and I was like, okay, then maybe I had three. And then finally I was like, yeah, but I don't like three as a number. And so then I, and, and then I came up with the fourth one and started to separate them out. And then it was like, okay, now there's this interesting challenge of, okay, there's four, they need to kind of be positioned in a kind of an aesthetic space, right? They have to be different from one another, distinct. You, you don't want to confuse which one is which, right? And and it was pretty pretty early in that process that I started working with our mutual friend, Ivana Salonia, um, who's a designer based in and XR artist based in Amsterdam, who we know through, who we both know through Voyager, um, which we could talk more about later. Um, but I started to work with Ivano and, and, you know, I knew, you know, I've done projects where I've been the kind of like main graphic designer, but I'm not a, like an experienced graphic designer, definitely not like an experienced type person. And I knew that that was going to be a big part of this. And so I wanted to bring somebody in who really had good, strong fundamentals in that. Like I can kind of fake my way through and do something that I think looks cool, but, but I wanted this to be like more grounded. And so, you know, Ivano came in and then we started to think about, okay, we're going to think about these as kind of imaginary brands, right? They need to each have their own identity. They need to each be kind of positioned relative to one another. And we went through a whole creative process together of developing that, which was, which was amazing. Um, and, but it was really kind of all out of that, like working in the constraints, like, okay, I have this thing that can do this. I have these pieces. And then, and then, okay, what is, what world does that create, right? What is this world, right? And then kind of wrapping that in the kind of narrative or, or the world building, right? And kind of filling in the gaps with this kind of fiction, you know? Um, but it's, it's interesting because, and that's like much more the way I like to work rather than coming down from the top, be like, I have this idea for this story and now we're going to go and make all the parts inside of it. Um, I find you get to a more surprising place when you kind of come up from the bottom. Yeah. So quick, quick note. So for Ivano Solonia is like the art director of UFO, uh, main collaborator with me uh, on this project at this very early stage of, you know, we are starting a club this year and all those kinds of things. So expect us uh, to emerge in, in many ways as we build out with the community. Um, and of course, also Ivano is a co-founder, uh, the Voyager Artist Collective, which is also in a very early stage. Watch out for that as well. And things are going to be happening. Um, but yeah, like we have so many people that have super appreciated, like essentially the UFO art direction and stuff like that, the things that we're making. Um, and yeah, I mean, like that's Ivano with his hand, hands on the tools. And I've been super excited seeing the sort of early early views of night run and the collaboration that you guys have been making um super vibe with it i'd love to ask about maybe we can explore like what are these four imaginary fashion house brands that you guys have collaborated on together what kind of um yeah what kind of marks them apart and a little about the dynamics of the actual nft release like are we buying nfts under these four different houses and you know, what, what does that function kind of look like as we are now, you know, a week or so ahead uh, of the release? So it's all it's all yeah. coming through. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, the, the four houses are one taking kind of a theme from fashion, this idea of seasonality, right? That was one early place where I was like, okay, we can kind of theme these, which is a little bit confusing in the fashion sense, right? Because normally you would have one fashion house that makes a collection for fall, winter, spring, and summer, right? But in this case, we said, okay, each of these houses is a little bit seasonally themed, right? And that kind of played out in the colors. There's Urea, which is like very very white, right? It's kind of a range of like bluish whites and kind of creamy whites, very heavy on portraiture. And also this kind of parametric architecture, these kind of monastic mountain scenes. Isa is red, black, white, and yellow as the kind of like primary like colors, summer themed. And both, each of the houses features kind of characters or models which are statues right it's all instead of there, there are some uh that look like people that are like more like natural skin tone but but most of them are this kind of either white marble or or white stone or black marble or black stone and so urea is all cast in white stone and kind of white palettes isa is in this kind of black marble and red white black tones and kind of with a pretty strong, I would say, kind of African influence or like sort of mix of like African streetwear, but then also kind of like I associate with like kind of Parisian luxury street fashion, um, kind of like those, you know, I think of it as like Africans in Paris, kind of, you know, the like flaneur uh, kind of tradition. And then Iris is kind of the spring-themed, total riot of color, full gamut of color, rainbow, and also the one where I'm pushing the heaviest into the AI artifacting. So the the kind of the machine learning tools have this tendency to, in certain instances, kind of blow up and do like just spit out stuff that like looks like it's a photo, but it's actually just a bunch of crazy abstract shapes, right? And that happens particularly when you try to push them into uh, shapes and aspect ratios that they're not familiar with, right? They like to make squares. If you have it make a square of like a face, it'll do great. It's not going to mess up. But I was pushing them out to do these like 1400 by 512, like extreme kind of cinemascope wide aspect ratios. And it has very few images to train on and it's data set for that. So it just explodes and just does kind of like visual. It looks to me like kind of like wild style graffiti. It's just these like complex shapes filling the frame. And, and Iris kind of leans into that. So it's kind of like maximum kind of cursed AI chaos along with these kind of bright colors and then kind of fashion wise it's a lot of white the, the they're white marble statues and it also draws on the kind of more peacock like side of some of the like italian fashion stuff like gianna versace um and those kind of very like chromatic um chromatic hues and and collections and then bronte is the last one and it's I, the, my kind of shorthand for it is it's like climate goth, right? It's like this very, it's very black. Um, a lot of like kind of destroyed architecture, 
flooded downtown New York City as the backdrop for a lot of the photos. And that's a, that's like a theme in like all my <laughs> shows up in all my projects. Uh, I grew up in downtown Manhattan. So like whatever that means that I just keep wanting to make images of flooded Manhattan uh, it just just bubbles up whenever I sit down to make something. And that one is more kind of romantic couture, like definitely drawing on designers like Martin Margiela or Alexander McQueen, these kind of flowing dresses and this kind of like more classic beauty, but obviously put through this very strange context. Um, and for me, you know, this, I'm I'm someone who I'm not like a fashion expert by any means, right? Like I'm a I'm a fashion, you know, hobbyist fan of these designers, but to be able to play with these ideas and these themes through this medium of text to image photography is so fun and exciting, right? Like you know, it's like playing paper dolls with like the best possible, you know, doll set that you can imagine, right? It's like to be able to do anything like this in any other medium, like maybe I could use like some 3D garment software like Clo 3D or something, but it'd be so much work um, to do. And obviously with the alternative being like going out and getting all these garments in real life and models and photography, right? Just, just to kind of play with these things, like that's such an undertaking. Whereas here now I can kind of just very gesturally kind of sketch and draw with these ideas um that's just for me is just incredibly exciting um you know as a as a creative outlet so the works that like come through these fashion houses if you like these outputs the idea is that they can also be placed into the motorcycle game kind of space yes. <laughs> and yeah, then exactly yeah and i'm curious a couple things so with the nft drop coming coming soon do i need one of those nfts in order to be able to access the game and ride around in that space and i'm curious about you know what your thoughts are it you know maybe you you guys are the immaculate creators and you, you make it and put it out there and the community decides what the nfts mean and what it is or do you have some sort of feeling of what the kind of how the mechanics work um you know what does it mean to be in one house as opposed to another does the community create that meaning um, yeah, just really kind of, I mean, for something that has quite a, a breadth to it and yeah. a, a design space to it, uh, I'm interested in the sort of almost like the functionality and the mechanics of the kind of NFT collections themselves. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, so that's, that is a kind of like important connecting thread is that the, the NFT collection obviously functions as a, um, visual artwork in and of itself, right? And and I want it to be able to function as a um, as a kind of a self-contained artwork. If that's all that anybody ever sees, they'll have like a coherent aesthetic experience, right? It's not like this one part that doesn't work without the others. But in terms of the whole piece, you know, you mentioned in your intro, like we're presenting this as a as a kind of a complete artwork, right? Including these parts, right? And and so the way that the the tokens interact with the game is that the holders of the tokens will be able to in the game make aesthetic choices about the space of the city and so as we mentioned earlier you know we're displaying artworks in the city so there's going to be a set 
uh, a curated set of artworks. It's not that anybody can put any artwork in the game, but there's going to be a curated set of between, I would say, 12 and 15 pieces, 12 and 15 collections, groupings of artwork that people can choose between and compose subsets of between one and four collections, which will then be displayed in their region of the city, right? So each region of the city, each kind of, which really kind of correlates to a portion of time driving through the city, right, is correlates to one of the token IDs, right? And we're using that to seed the random number generator that is driving the procedural algorithm for the city generation because the city is procedurally generated as the game runs. And the collector will then be able to make a choice about what artworks are displayed in the city, what music plays as you drive through that part of the city, again, from a, a collection of music that will ship with the game, and then also some visual aesthetic choices about the lighting and the kind of overall color palette of that kind of part of the city. And it kind of brings us into this interesting kind of co-curatorial, co-creation mode where the collectors can kind of make some aesthetic inputs back into the project. And those choices are then saved and populated out to everyone who plays the game. So you might hold a token, you might make certain choices about a certain sector of the city, and then those choices will be experienced by people who drive through the game and drive through that part of the city. And to, to answer your question about will you need an NFT to access the game, you will not. And that's actually an important um, kind of part of the idea is that we want ideally the game to be experienced by as many people as possible. We want to create as little friction as possible for people to experience the game. Uh, and that's why we're releasing the game for free. So no cost to download, no advertisements, no microtransactions, right? We're putting it on one of the biggest PC gaming platforms, which is Steam. And so we'd like non-Web3, non-NFT-focused people to be able to discover the game, play it, have an interesting aesthetic experience, maybe become curious about the artworks in the game, but maybe not. Maybe they just kind of are like, whoa, that was a weird kind of artsy motorcycle game. And on the other hand, you know, the, the fact that we're funding the production of the game through this uh, NFT drop mechanism, right, is hopefully an opportunity to create kind of stuff for the, for the people who do engage more deeply and learn more about it. They'll say, oh, wow, okay, this is an example of something that's created by the Web3 community and through the NFT kind of funding mechanism that is not a kind of Ponzi-nomic, extractive, cash grab kind of thing, right? So there's a hope that there's a little bit of like a kind of a win-win between we're publishing this game for free uh, and that obviously, you know, NFT collectors themselves can collect the pieces, interact with the piece in this way. And hopefully there's a kind of a positive sum, uh, you know, engagement there for 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 everybody involved. And, and also for ourselves as developers, right? We get to make the project. We get to be funded to make the project. Um, so there's this hopefully this kind of triangle of people who all who all are happy <laughs> if it if it works. There's an interesting dynamic here with Night Run as as a game, as an NFT collection, and the overlay of these things that, in very basic terms, is a play between cool looking motorcycles, 
and the like the brand ID is interesting. It's like Night Run. It's it's almost like one of those old like eighties or nineties, uh, you know, games at, at the arcade. I'm sure was it. Oh, there's some great Out, ones. Outrun. Outrun. Is I think like that's a the classic. one, right? Outrun is an amazing old school kind of Florida California style driving game. Amazing. I like the experience of like just cruising down a road with no specific objective and stuff is going by. I think totally. And also, yeah, it's it's almost like getting into like arcadey Top Gun eighties, like whatever whatever it is. Something about that like cultural moment in time. Well, definitely. I mean, I think that's actually. There's also uh, I hadn't fully verbalized this. I think I just kind of did it intuitively. But I had somebody in the, in our Discord uh, say this to me. He was like, you know, I used to play video games. I liked video games, but now video games have gotten so complicated and there's like all this, I've got to learn all this stuff. And, you know, and actually like, I'm really looking forward to just playing this where I can just kind of like chill out and drive and pick it up and play or put it down or, you know, and, and for me, you know, I'm someone, I obviously have worked in the video game business. I love video games, but I also have that experience where some of the kind of modern commercial games right? Just to pick it up and play, there's like an hour commitment of like just getting to the place where you're going to do the mission or whatever it is. And going back to that kind of arcade style where you could kind of walk up, put a quarter in the slot, have a cool experience that wasn't with 500 menus and inventory system and quests and whatever, had a vibe, had great music, had a kind of attitude and style um, I do think that there's a kind of a connection there. It's funny, my brother, who I work with, uh, the thing he's been pushing on, which I'm like not promising to anyone, but it is a really fun idea, is he wants to buy an old motorcycle game physical cabinet, like with the bike and build it out, you know, to put Night Run on there. And I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be so much work. Like, Please don't tell the people, don't promise the people that we're going to do this. Like, but on the other hand, I'm like looking at it thinking like, wow, that would be really, really fun. So I don't know. We'll see. No promises, but it's definitely like an idea that's been floated internally here in the studio. Damn. Entering like the hardware market of like video game arcades and you jump in there and it's like a realm that has like terraforms going by stuff like that. sort of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, also one of the, I mean, the, it's funny because we were just talking about this, like one of the cool points about doing that is it's bringing, it's bring, you know, the, the idea would be to like either put it in a gallery or bring it to, you know, events yeah. where there's like, you know, where people can in a more, you know, cause he was saying, he was like, yeah, we go to these web three events and actually like the physical installation of it is a bunch of screens. He's like, it's just a bunch of screens on the wall. And and a lot of the time they're like, it's all a little bit like thin. You know what I mean? So he's like bringing this kind of physicality to it is actually pretty interesting. It's a big, it's a big, big lift, both figuratively and literally. Uh, but uh, but I think it could be really cool. And, and just as something to, and as a kind of a one of one, right? I'm obviously not talking about manufacturing lots of these, but even as a kind of a sculpture, as like an art object in and of itself, um it could be really fun so so it's something that we're that we're thinking about well yeah let's talk deals because can i suggest a two of two one in new york one in amsterdam i think we can all agree <laughs> with that 
Good idea. Good idea. As long as you pay to ship it or you find the bike hardware in Amsterdam that we can build out, you got yourself a deal. No worries. Uh, I feel like we can put this out to the crowd. Um, crowd crowdsource it. Yeah. I do. I do like that idea of the installation. Um, and also like these sort of game mechanics of holders curating their part of like an open city and, you know, like gta and cruising around in the car and music yeah. playing and and switching between like there's phenomenal radio stations in grand theft auto like absolutely yeah really great absolutely really great stuff like the the fictional world of like even like the was it like the sort of news channels radio talkback in gta is hilarious as well it kind of has that whole whole sphere but you know what you're talking about here with the the community themselves are helping to design and map out the city and you can go through and uncover stuff also has a bit of a resonance with like crypto voxels and things where mm. people are building out you know worlds there but i guess this comes with the satisfaction of like cruising around on a motorcycle kind of thing yeah. which, totally, is, which totally. is really cool i mean like can people co-inhabit this world or it's like the world is one element and i'm always just cruising solo on a bike kind of vibe yeah, the, it, it's definitely for now, it's it's cruising solo. You know, would it be really cool to build out a multiplayer version at some point? For sure. Adding networking and multiplayer to a game is like another 100% of work, right? So it's not something that we're like ready to commit to right now, but it's definitely like one of the top five questions that we get. Like, am I going to be able to ride with my friends? You know, so um it's and it's not um it's definitely you know it's obviously not impossible um but it's uh but it's a you know it's a lot of work so it's not something that we've got like lined lined up yeah so you know from my perspective like we caught up um in berlin back in july maybe like june july sounds about right i remember it was warm out yeah and uh coincidentally like i caught you like a week or days before you were heading back to new york so it was kind of fortuitous uh timing on both of our parts um but it's been really interesting to kind of like observe or map map your work you do these like um you know these great devlogs where you're like you know freely sharing videos putting them out which i think is super valuable for the space in general for other builders and people to like pull inspiration and uh kind of learnings from which i think is really great um but yeah knowing that you've kind of been super deep with the the terraforms math castles the hyper castles and and all of this sort of coming from your essentially your your studio where you were yeah. game builders a, a creative studio in in general and now like there's so much resonance with the sort of blockchain and nft culture and you guys are kind of and now like night run is the most sort of you know a dramatic expression of this so far which i find really cool this journey so maybe you know, maybe I can ask like, what kind of, what would you say like the, the inspiration and, and experience of being part of the Terraform community and what's come through that has kind of helped to, you know, let, lay the path into absolutely. what you guys yeah, are doing absolutely. now. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge. You know, the, I would say probably if it hadn't been for the, for the Terraforms community and the, kind of work done by the math castle studio we probably wouldn't be in the nft space the way that we are you know uh, the group of people there and the the kind of quality of that community has really um 
what's the right word? It's been a really supportive environment for us to explore the space from. And, you know, totally transparently, when I, fir I first got interested in the space uh, or kind of started to actively pay attention, you know, I was following Bitcoin in 2017 and then the kind of market crashed and I kind of lost focus on it and then started to had an artist friend of mine whose people were asking him to do NFT projects. And he was like, hey, you're technical. Like, what is all this? Like, what should I do? Uh, and so I was like, well, I I remember crypto kitties and stuff, but I don't know what's going on now. But so I went and kind of did some research and started to study it. And this was in this would have been summer of 21 uh and i and this was like you know the speculomania was like going crazy apes were going crazy a lot of pfp projects were dropping anything was minting out like in 10 minutes you know and so it was a very strange environment to come into and especially as a creative a lot of the creative that was flying around was terrible, like really abominable aesthetics, right? And and I was like, oh, like what is this, you know? But relatively shortly after that, and but that being said, also I also was fascinated, right? Because you could see there was this crazy energy, right? It was uh, there was obviously something happening, you know. So as much as I kind of looked at a lot of these like bullshit PFP projects and stuff. I was still like, but something is happening here. And then pretty soon after that, uh, loot dropped. And I was like, oh, okay. This is like, okay, connecting games, this kind of world building. And then through the loot discord and the kind of loot builders community and Dom and all those people, like I, I was like, okay, these are more like my kind of people. Like, okay, I can understand where these people are coming from. And that kind of exposed me to more of this like CC0 kind of open world building culture. And that really, that really drew me in. I was like, okay, this is, this is, these are my people. Okay. I kind of found my like corner of the web three space with them. And I worked a little bit on a project called Crips and Caverns with a developer called Threepwave in a pretty tangential way. You know, he very graciously says that I did more than I did, but it was really just kind of helping out. Uh, and, but, and I met Dom through that and I met a few other people in the loot space and Tim Shell and a few other people. And, and, and that kind of got me to stick around and pay more deep attention. And then through that, I discovered Terraforms. It was through a Twitter spaces by a guy named Nicholas who works at Juicebox and is a, is a great and interesting person himself. And I, when I saw it, it was the the Crypts and Caverns project I had been working on was an on-chain generative maps project, and this generative map map generative map making uh, has been a theme that I've explored in in the games world for a long time. I actually created a, a generative map making tool that I was selling to other game developers, and so this kind of like tool building, generative world building has always been like kind of near and dear to my heart. And so I, that's kind of why I was working with working on Crypts and Caverns. And then I saw Terraforms and Terraforms was very clearly coming out of that same tradition of kind of grid-based ASCII style procedural world building, uh, which funnily now 
if you ask 113, he's like, yeah, we're not connected to that. Like he kind of like, he kind of denies it. He's like, this is, we're not like, it's not connected to roguelikes or, you know, that like, it's that that's not important, but it's like looking at it for me, that was what I saw first and foremost. Um, and then I, on 113 was there on that spaces, although he wasn't talking. And then I got in the discord and I met him and I met a lot of the other people there. And immediately was just like, okay, this is really my people. Like this is where we're really interested now in not just generally the kind of things I like, but like really specifically the things I like. Um, and so I just got super plugged in there. That was like around right before Christmas in 21. And, uh, and so I did the, my kind of first project, which was this creating this animation called the long view. It was like an animation and music piece um that i put out on twitter and youtube just as a video but that was the first 3d representation of the terraforms hypercastle as we call it um and doing that and i can try to give like a capsule description of what terraforms are for people who don't know um well maybe i'll circle back to that in a second but in doing that the I did that like over the Christmas vacation. I had some time and and it was quiet and I just it was just like a little fun kind of hobby project. Uh, but I kind of wanted to do more. And I was like, this is this really interesting on-chain 3D world. And I really want to do more with it using the game engine Unity, which is kind of like one of my main tools of choice. And but coming from the content that I'm coming from, which is that I'm an independent artist and I also run a small kind of studio with my brother called Thousand Ant, where we do our own work, but we also do work for clients and tech companies and make videos and do game development and all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm not just sitting on a big, uh, we don't have any funding from anybody. You know, we're not sitting on a big mountain of VC money. Uh, so everything we do has to be funded. Uh, and so I kind of knew, I was like, I really would actually like to spend a couple months on this, but I'm, but I can't do that with no money. So I started to go around among the Terraforms folks and try to think about, Hey, is, could we, could we fund this? Like people really liked the animation that I did and everybody was really into it. And, and I got together a group of folks, uh, who were already, you know, meeting and talking and thinking, yeah, we all want to do something. And there was a bunch of talk about doing like some kind of a DAO. Um, I had been plugged in with the people from Juicebox. We thought about the Juicebox protocol, which is like another deck. Um, and they were actually a client of our studio. And I kind of thought about doing something there. But in talking to all the people who were a part of that group, I kind of realized I was like, ah, everybody kind of wants there's like five things that everybody wants to do. Like and I was like, I kind of really just want to do this one thing. Like, I don't really want to pursue all of these ideas. I kind of want to do this one thing. And I kind of think I can, and I don't, besides some money, I don't actually need, you know, I've got a team of people that I work with. We have some people who are, you know, full-time work with us and then a bunch of freelancers that we work with. I was like, I know I have the people we can do this. I just need to pay them. Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking, well, this is the NFT space you know, maybe we do an NFT drop and, and raise the capital. And I went and I talked to 113 and kind of asked his blessing. And he said, yeah, you know, as long as you uh, make it clear that this is an independent project, it's not our studio, um, you know, basically go for it, you know? And I'm like, well, okay, you know, and, and actually, but interestingly, he 
gave me a really good kind of creative prompt or creative challenge, which was my original idea was just to take the animation that I had and kind of turn that into a bunch of still images and use those as the artwork for the NFT. Um, and he was like, look, I don't want to overly tell people that this kind of a little bit like Minecrafty block world representation of terraforms, I don't want people to too strongly identify that that is the kind of real visualization. And so he's like, I'm happy for you to do it, but but can you think of another visual idea? And I was like, oh, well, I didn't have another visual idea. And this is kind of that same process of constraints, right, that I'm talking about before. But so he and I were kind of batting it back and forth. And there were a few other people in this like chat channel. And, and you know, I can't remember where it came from, but either he said or I said, like, well, what about if it's a visualization of and, and, you know, the idea was, I was like, look, what I really want to do is build a software SDK for Unity. Like, I want to build a tool that now anybody can take and render Terraforms in 3D and do things in 3D with Terraforms in the Unity game engine, which is this freely available 3D game engine tool that mostly people use for making video games, but also VR and other stuff. And uh, and he's like, well, you're saying you want to make this SDK. What does it mean to, what what is the what does an SDK look like? And I'm like, aha, you know, and I immediately started thinking about these like software boxes and like specifically like the old like hypercard boxes, of like the old Apple software, like back in the day. And I was like, ah, yes. Okay. And, and then, so I, I was like, okay, wait, I have an idea. And I start, and then I went and I started making some kind of this idea of like representing a physical object in a little bit of a playful way. Right. And, and so I started making all these CDs and like SD cards and different kinds of like physical storage media, um, integrating the, integrating the artwork from Terraforms into the still images. Um, and it kind of, and then it kind of took off and I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. And, and, uh, and that was like the little, like kind of creative unlock, um, that kind of opened the floodgates. And, uh, so then we made the Hypercastle Explorers project, which was a, um, 1024 piece NFT collection. We raised about 90 ETH um, and then used that to build the Hypercastle Explorer application, which is a game-like application that you can download for free from, from itch.io. You can go to um, hypercastle-explorers.xyz and you find the link there. Um, and to release this GitHub repository with the, the kind of fundamental software that we built to to interact with with Ethereum, read the Terraform's data, um, and then display it into this um, 3D world, and and we made it and put it out. and And for me, it was a really cool experience because, you know, just this kind of community funding approach. Uh, it felt really good, right? People were interested and into it. You know. We were able to to get the funds that we needed to to do it. There, we were very especially in that moment. There was still a lot of like ruggy kind of projects going on, and people promising a lot of stuff and not delivering. Right, so we were very careful to go out and say, "Hey, we're doing exactly this, this, and this. This is the timeline." You know, to to really kind of manage expectations. We're not. It's not this like open-ended, it could be anything kind of vibe, which I think a lot of people play with in the space. They're like, 
We're not telling you what it is, but you're going to imagine that it's like a whole bunch of amazing stuff. And we're not going to tell you that it's not that, you know what I mean? So we were kind of like very, very clear and direct. Like it's going to be this, it's not going to be that it's going to take this much time. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. And so that kind of blessedly our community then of collectors really knew what they were getting in for and did not expect a bunch of crazy stuff, did not get mad at us when we didn't, you know, pump it to the moon or do all kinds of whatever roadmappy stuff. We're like, we went, we did what we said we were going to do and, and people supported that. And, and so that ended up being like a really from a, as a creator, that was like a really positive experience. And, and, you know, my experience from interacting with our collectors, they were also um, felt good about it. You know what I mean? So that for me was like a big, uh, that was really when I felt like, okay, actually like this, you know, this mechanism, this NFT funding model and this space. And like, maybe we really can, you know, do things here and, and continue and, and do more projects. Um, because I felt like, you know, there's a lot, especially actually in the game development community, there's a lot of negativity around NFTs. Oh, it's a scam. You're exploiting people, you da, 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 all this stuff. But I was like this, I feel a hundred percent, you know, like, we did what we said we were going to do. The people were happy that we did it. It felt like a really positive interaction. It wasn't like really stressful. You know, I had some friends, artists who did projects and got a little swept up in the kind of utility meta, maybe promised a few things that they, you know, in fully intended to do, but then like realized that there was way too much and got into this like bad situation. You know what I mean? And so I was really happy that we were able to like avoid all of that and come out of it like, we felt good. Our collectors felt good. And so it was like a really, you know, kind of encouraging um, experience. Yeah. I saw some tweets yesterday that were sort of touching on this a little bit around. I Maybe I can Google it and find it, find it again. But whoever was tweeting, sorry for the no accreditation here, Twitter user. Um, but this notion of like Bored Apes and many of these other projects, they screwed up because, you know, the, this person was basically saying Bored Apes could have just gone for the Supreme route. And maybe many of these NFT collections should have done that. Like, just be a self-contained thing. You're a limited community of holders. And, you know, they've they've had this model of, like, apes. Um, you know, the companions and then mutants and then the ape drop. And, and that observing that so many of these NFT-type projects are promising metaverses and worlds yeah. and game type experiences and maybe that was like a meta idea at the time so that's naturally you promise the roadmap the people where's the game where's the expectation what's the utility yeah. for my nft and all this kind of stuff but you know potentially for a lot of folks and here we are in 2023 we all get to start fresh again um like maybe that's a better a better route to go potentially or if not better that not everyone needs to build a game necessarily that doesn't need yeah. to be the thing it's okay to just be a little more uh limited than that i found that like a, an interesting take yeah i mean i totally agree and i think like obviously and this is it's kind of easy from my seat here to throw rocks at other people and be like you guys are morons you shouldn't have done any of this right and of course like here in the space, we're all figuring it out. And I'm sure that totally. they came into it with good intentions, right? And thought, oh, it's going to be really cool. We're going to build all this stuff, right? And now maybe are like finding themselves in a funny spot. But 
I do think that there is, and it was a kind of a collective mania, right? During the, the kind of everything bubble of 22, you know, or 21, 22, there was this feeling that it really was kind of like unlimited money up only forever, unlimited growth, you know, just keep printing money with airdrops and everything is just going to go up, 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 right? Which is, which happens in the crypto markets. It happens in the traditional markets. People are like, this time is different. It's going to go up forever. It's never going down, right? And then, and then of course, you know, the cycle, the market cycle changes and, and it's like, doom and gloom zoom out but man. i yeah exactly zoom exactly out. it's like there's a there's a pattern here right but no but no no zoom out it's up right? only you just gotta zoom yeah. out <laughs> the long term up only yeah i mean i actually think you could make that argument right you just gotta you survive Why not? The, you gotta survive the fluctuations <laughs> right but but i think that there's well first of all we need a bunch of ways of being as project creators, bunch of ways of doing projects in this space, right? The maximum unlimited growth is not the move for everybody and every project, right? And and we're seeing plenty of people get get wrecked by that, right? Like that they that they're like just on they're on this trajectory of like up, 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 and then the momentum stalls and then they're really in trouble. Right. So I do think that like, yeah, Supreme is a really interesting example as a brand that really actually used limitation and scarcity to always have lines in front of their stores, always have this feeling of exclusivity around every drop. You know, now I think that's kind of, they've probably expended that strategy because they've been around for so long and gotten so kind of culturally um, significant. But I do think that that kind of strategic growth is definitely like a pattern that a lot of people could benefit from and not just like, I mean, also, I just think, and this is part of like the, the came from the, the bull mania, but people's time horizons are all fucked up. People are trying to like 100x in like 90 days. You know what I mean? Like there's no world outside of crypto where that happens, sustains. It doesn't happen in art. It doesn't happen in stocks. It doesn't happen in, you know, any other kind of like asset class or even like, you know, maybe like social media, TikTok virality, right? Where it's attention rather than money. Like you could like explode like that. But but the fact that we... Uh, you know, a lot of people in the space have kind of like calibrated around those kind of time cycles, right? That like everything has to happen in 90 days, needs 10x in 90 days or I'm out. Like this is, this is, it's been 60 days and this hasn't done, nothing has happened. I'm out. You know what I mean? Like this kind of like hyper, hyper uh, kind of ADD expectation of everything just like instantly taking off, you know, if you're somebody who actually does things like build software or creates content or does anything, it just takes time, right? Like there's, even if you have a big team, it takes, it takes time to do good things. And so I think that was, so what we had was a bunch of, you know, projects that would drop an asset and then make a bunch of promises, not actually do anything, but make a bunch of promises and then like monetize the promises, ride it as long as they could and then crash. Right. Um, so I do think that there's like a little bit of resetting, like you say, it's 2023, like 
you know, we do need a little bit of a recalibration of like our thinking and expectations and stuff, which I do think is maybe happening. I don't know from where I'm sitting. I feel like it's happening, but I'm sure it's not kind of evenly distributed. Um, but, but yeah, as you say, like it takes time to do good things. But when we're talking about this, like hypermania, potentially unrealistic expectations, uh, limitless internet, but finite attention and hours yeah. of the day that you can be awake and also being kind to ourselves at a human level and understanding that, you know, these aren't robots, some of them are robots, but they're not all bots trading these NFTs. There are people that are getting less sleep and going crazy. And it is all about yeah. being early and first and, you know, getting in on the mint or whatever it is, um, all these sorts of dynamics. And so, and then, yeah, a lot of times, like if something isn't pumping like crazy, it really does mean it's going to die because you get all the game yeah. theory of everyone else is going to bail out and all this kind of stuff. But this is an industry and a culture that produced the meme of touch grass. Like yeah. we're all, we're all burning ourselves out with this crazy thing. And it's been such an interesting sort of psychological, uh, emotional journey for a lot of people of like, I missed the thing the one time and that was the easy 100x, but I did the five projects before that that didn't work or whatever it is. So like people just develop into this behavior of always on and it's just yeah. levels beyond standard social media use these days anyway. Even if people aren't yeah. doing NFTs and there's no money games, but they're still hooked on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, this just added rocket fuel to that dynamic and we've all kind of been you know, in the Web3 crypto world, it used to be ICO, uh, ICOs, DeFi summer, yeah. all this stuff. Then it became the NFTs thing. And it was so much about alpha and and being onto the new thing, being early and all that kind of shit. I feel like maybe 23 is kind of, we're coming down from our late 60s period into the early 70s of just like, oh, I just need to relax a little bit, man. I don't know. I feel like my taste in music is changing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's possible like there's like some kind of like a vibe shift happening. I also do think that there is we can't, you know, we talked about math castles earlier. They're an example of someone who through the mania managed to keep a really steady, not hypey kind of and growth, right? It was, they were growing. It wasn't that they were shrinking or dying. They were, but they were just growing in this kind of slow and organic way uh, without a lot of crazy marketing and with a big kind of focus on community. And so I do think that, you know, they're, they're definitely like kind of the exception rather than the rule, right? But I do think we can find these stories of people doing things in a, way that has more intentionality or substance uh and isn't just that crazy kind of burnout sugar high 100x and crash uh kind of chart that a lot of these projects are on so i want to quickly um quote from uh 113 from a tweet from yesterday uh saying if we're lucky, the work can remain eligible to the influencer class for another year or two, which I feel like yeah. kind of captures the the approach and the philosophy of what they. It's like we choose to remain esoteric and you know a, a little uh, profound, and that's the space to produce into. And in a way, like some of the grandest um, imaginations of loot were kind of 
expressing that out and, and maybe it didn't yeah. make it through the window or whatever it is, but like it's, it feels like it's coming from a similar kind of creative culture. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think that's a really important point to highlight uh, because Terraforms has actually been on this run up. Everything else was crashing and Terraforms went up to four ETH uh, floor price, right? So it did actually appreciate in value. It just happened over a year instead of 90 days. Uh, and they are now, there is this influx of more of the kind of influencer flipper trader class. Uh, but because there is this kind of established culture and really core community that's already very strong, that doesn't have the kind of destructive effect that it might have on something that was really just trying to get its legs under it. And I do think we could look at loot as a little bit of an unfortunate case in that regard, because I think Dom dropped loot with a very experimental spirit uh, and a very open, explorative approach. Uh, but because it dropped into the middle of this mania, um, you had VCs buying up big, you know, lots of Divine dropping ropes. a million dollars. Yeah, like crazy behavior, um, which probably did damage the culture of that or, you know, create kind of perverse incentives. Yeah, I mean, like in, a manifestation of culture around that project was kind of like a hyper-exclusionary thing that happened where it was kind of like, you know, there's there's the exclusive loot discord whatever but let's have an even more exclusive one for the divine robes crew and yeah. i mean like this is all in experimental time market forces kind of colliding with each other and people are kind of making meaning out of these things and this is also pre-nouns i'm fairly sure right there's like nouns yeah. loot a similar time no frame? no actually nouns was out already because actually okay well let's talk I for 40 minutes about nouns then yeah, we can. We can. No, it's. I remember that because I was talking to Dom trying to figure out this map contract and trying to figure out how to store the maps on chain. And he was like, you should go look. Or I was looking at the nouns contract and he was like, no, 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 you shouldn't do it like that. Uh, but it was out and it was open source, although it definitely wasn't. I remember looking at nouns because I was looking at the contract for the way they were storing the pixel art on chain and having no idea what it was uh, and like what it meant. Uh, it definitely was not like the kind of cultural juggernaut that it is now uh, in the Web3 space, but it was out. Uh, this would have been like, I guess, October 20. I don't know when nouns actually came out, but it was like, it was definitely out in like October 21. I guess that's what we're talking about. I guess when Luke came out. Yeah, like man, that. time is going by. Um, I know. Isn't that interesting though? Like, so... Um... It might be fun to also talk a little about like Dom's general projects. I think he's done a lot yeah. of fascinating stuff. Um, but, you know, we see we see loot and then we see the way that that played out. And it, it gets tricky when, you know, loot NFTs, I forget what it was. Well, let's say they had a floor of 15 or 20 ETH or I don't even know. Yeah. But then it went but, way up. Yeah. But then it crashes. So someone who just bought in just sort of lost 10 ETH on the on the swing. And that's it's difficult for a community to sustain that kind of stuff and remain hyped about it or whatever it is. But interesting, so the idea was that, you know, loot would also build out with all these like traits that are there and then using that almost as a CCO base to then build things on top and stuff like that, which is a super interesting idea. But then something like nouns is just like visually powerful 
as a brand. Mm. And one of my favorite catchphrases or uh, things that have emerged in the last couple of years is the idea that Noggles are the Nike swoosh of crypto, even more than CryptoPunks potentially. It's just that as a symbol and then with the the Noggles kind of uh, text code or whatever that was uh, created and stuff like that. The, the visual meme, <clears throat> as well as the, the auction the auction framework potentially, uh, is a more sustaining method, at least so far, of this kind of thing, of propagating a meme out. It's like a, a picture that or goggles that can then be mapped across a whole bunch of different projects and people can <clears throat> vibe with that and attach meaning to that more than some text in a in a block sort of thing which is quite alien to to a lot of people but we can get down with a picture that looks cool definitely yeah i mean i think that the nouns mechanism design right kind of branching off from compound and this kind of governance model this daily auction combined with this kind of mimetic visual branding is is uh, undeniably strong you know and now actually the the part of that ecosystem uh and actually we are in the process of putting a proposal on chain with nouns to uh to put nouns into night run right so we're we're interacting with that ecosystem as well and and you know trying to get them to fund uh some of the development of the game which we'll see may or may not happen uh but if you're uh, in a position to vote on it please vote for our vote for our prop on uh on on chain on on nouns the i think that the the part of that that system or memeplex that i'm really interested in right now is what zora is doing uh where they received like a thousand eth grant from nouns uh to build out the nouns builder uh which is now this kind of open sourcing of the nouns meme in a really um, accessible user experience where now if you or I wanted to go start a daily auction project around X, Y, or Z, we could. And so it, it takes away this kind of technical moat and it becomes much more about ideas. Um, I don't know. I don't think we've seen long-term you know i think nouns the main nouns dow is in the process of adapting to the bear market right uh they are figuring out what it means to operate in an environment that's just not up only um and that's going to change a little bit of some of the character of what they're doing i don't think we've seen the long enough cycle of nouns existing and working to know exactly where that story goes but i think it's a very clearly ingenious machine and now the fact that through the through zora's nouns builder anybody can spin one up and experiment right with other model or we're doing it for music or we're doing it for maybe some kind of you know, social type of good, or we're doing it for this reason or that reason, right? Or, or funding, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who works at Zora, Yuri, and, and he was saying, yeah, like, you should try that for Night Run, and you should try doing the smallest possible part of the game, right? Like, some really micro, and I was like, whoa, that's definitely not the way I thought about using it, right? So 
I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting experimentation that comes out of that, which really just comes down to making good user experience and ease of use for people to be able to interact with it. Um, so that's definitely like a, an area that I'm, I'm watching pretty closely and, and, and pretty, you know, excited to see what, what develops there. Yeah. It's like, so the thing with nouns, I don't have the number in mind. Let's say the treasury has somewhere between 16 and 30,000 ETH. Can't remember, whatever, some, some crazy number, 20,000 something ETH or whatever from the daily auctions going all the way back to the beginning. So like the conversation for nouns is like, how are they deploying those funds through proposals to the DAO and like, and putting stuff out. So if a thousand ETH has gone across to Zora to drastically drop the barrier of entry technically to, to ship something like this, because you know, you're shipping and like juice box is another example, like these tools that people can use to kind of, to kind of run stuff. But coincidentally, like Nicholas from Juicebox had tweeted the last couple days, I think is like the nouns DAO is exploring this latest or a recent prop that's up for now to like fund nouns on the ground to like do these events at all these conferences around the world and get funding for that. And there's kind of like all proposals, there's back and forth about it and a little controversy or conversation um, mapping the course for that. And I saw Nicholas tweeting basically nouns should be looking to fund basically making DAOs legal everywhere in the world. And that should be mm. like a major goal of it. I really vibed with that as much as nouns builder is, uh, you know, a prodigious public good to be offered by nouns or whatever. And to, you know, at, at sort of at the scale of what you guys are doing and want to do hypercastles, same example on a different scale. Like you put out a thing yeah. so you can get funding to go and build a thing and then that, you know, whatever. And this is like a similar, similar thing. Um, but yeah, I really vibed with what Nicholas said there that like, if we saw a nouns, like making it because the, the jurisdiction questions for DAOs and the, you know, uh, a lot of existing DAOs potentially could be classified as a general partnership if you don't have a container over it, right? And so all members who've bought in potentially could be financially responsible for, you know, potentially legal ramifications for that. Like, so the indemnity protection for members is actually a really key thing among many other things. But once you start going down the rabbit hole, um, and I've been reading through documentation for Builder DAO and stuff like that is super interesting. Um, A16Z Crypto has some stuff out. Uh, I think Paradigm, like there's some uh, interesting documentation out there. But yeah, just like comment on that. The I vibed on what Nic- Nic- Nicholas said as far as essentially shipping like public goods to help like DAOify. Like what's more nowish than that, you know? No, I mean, I think that he's getting, I mean, obviously Nicholas is a very brilliant guy and and he's getting right to the heart of the matter there because that is probably more, and I think you're right in pointing it out, that's probably more fundamental infrastructure than being able to deploy additional software is to be able to make sure that you're not creating something that is kind of standing on an unsound legal foundation uh, and and going to create a lot of unforeseen legal consequences for folks that get involved with good intentions. Um, I think that's very, very fundamental and very important. And I think that that's probably a pretty central, uh, would be a pretty central concern for me, you know, being a U.S. resident, you know, about putting any kind of like serious effort or work into anything like this is, 
to make sure I'm doing it on a sound legal footing. I mean, I'm not some shadowy anon, right? I'm doxxed. My face is everywhere. My name, you know. Uh, Likewise. So, yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm definitely not trying to do anything that is uh, that is not in a clear um, legal situation. I do think that, I mean, it's a big lift, right? Because as you say, there's this whole jurisdictional question. Um, but yeah, I think getting some clearer uh, regulations would be a really, really central public good. And just to, I mean, I know that there's this strong kind of like anti-government libertarian streak in crypto, but I just really think there's a huge tension between the goal of growing the crypto sphere and having, you know, the next million people get switched on to the technology and the network and the idea that we're going to be able to do that without kind of attention and regulation from governments. That's just, in my opinion, naive, right? Like you're not just going to get, you know, and, and we see, I mean, I don't think the thing that happened with FTX was a particularly a regular regulatory failure, right? It's just kind of criminality, but uh, you know, until we have a situation where there's a whole group of people, smart, capable people who have good opportunities in the traditional system who will never come and mess with this system because they're like, why would I want to go get involved in something that has unclear legality or, you know, like they just won't. Right. So I, I think that that is something that if we if the idea is to go for a wider adoption or mass adoption or whatever, it, it the, the only path is through kind of uh, just clear existing regulations. And then everybody can figure out, you know, how much they want to comply or what jurisdiction they want to be or whatever, you know, and there's in every business, there's a kind of a gradient of regulatory compliance. And some people are very compliant and some people are much less so. And, but the idea that, ha you know, having total unlimited ambiguity about the regulations is a good thing to me is crazy. Yeah, this kind of, maybe this is like more of the energy of 2023 and kind of taking a longer term view on stuff. And I see Nouns Builder as an early example of this and some projects that are coming through and building with that, that there's a huge unlock for artists, creatives and, and folks who, guess what? It's expensive to have, you know, elite level developers that can build out this shit, make sure the contracts <laughs> Tell are me about it, bro. <laughs> that, you know, they've, they've sought the legal counsel to structure things and to, to do all that stuff is like, you know, that's a bar uh, an obvious barrier of entry. Whereas if we can start to have some of this stuff like mapped out and clarified and, and understood, then it becomes a lot easier for an artist collective to start building with these tools or launching stuff and things that can be just for fun and whatever but we can kind of set things set things in motion there's a huge yeah there's a huge unlock here and, and an exciting piece um yeah totally agree totally agree what are your thoughts ahead of like the the drop for night run uh ne next week uh what are you kind of feeling you got anything like you know cool in store for the mint experience or you know what what's that all looking like or I can also ask, like, how are you feeling at this stage, having like been on the builder journey for months, and now the project's just about ready? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good. I mean, you know, obviously, 
getting it's funny i was just talking to to my brother and josh who works with us like the process of finishing anything is so painful because you're closing off possibilities right until you say it's done there's always the possibility like oh i might do something and it's all going to get a hundred times better right and you're like getting to the end like i'm actually like today I'm like making final image selections and i'm like okay there it is that's it you know like just just kind of you know in this case finalizing the token artwork right uh and there is still this big open piece about about developing you know the game or or finishing the process of developing the game so it's a funny one like it's definitely uh, uh there's a you know i'm in this like moment of like finishing one stage getting ready to start another one super kind of painful creative process of like finalizing committing accepting that what i've made is what i've made and also really excited to get it out into the world share it with people start to you know get energy back from the audience and the collectors you know which for me is always really gratifying um and then to move into the you know the next phase of building which is actually you know building out the game and documenting that process and everything um so so i'm like exhausted and excited <laughs> To put it in two words. Can you foreshadow uh, a little bit about what the sort of like the mint experience um, yeah. that you've kind of designed for? Because that's a whole in other interesting design space that for those not in, you know, in the sort of NFT scene, maybe are not so aware of. But the, the way that the thing mints can also be a, a fun thing to play with. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that the... The mint experience that we're doing here, we're actually using uh, Zora's new um, drops tool, which is actually a really nice tool. Uh, it's part of their kind of suite of creator tools that they've built. And I recommend folks check it out if you haven't. Um, it's really kind of user-friendly and uh, makes the process really seamless, which is which is awesome. We've kind of used a couple different approaches in the past. Um, some things that were kind of more off the shelf, some things that were kind of more handmade and, and gone through the ups and downs of those. Um, you know, one of the things that we're interested in experimenting with here is we were thinking about what is the right way to like reward people who show up for us in this moment right because you know there's like this kind of idea of doing airdrops uh but actually doing an airdrop with an nft collection uh right when you're kind of releasing the new project or dropping part of the supply for free or whatever has a lot of weird second order consequences that are not necessarily it was something we considered um like dropping something to our previous holders but actually the kind of way that would play out, I think would not have been good. So one of the things that we're kind of experimenting with is to do a, a, a non-transferable um, NFT for people who show up for the mint that will, that will deliver after the mint, right? That kind of says, hey, you were there. Uh, it's not a sellable asset, right? But it is this kind of like stamp, timestamp on the chain to say, hey, you showed up for us 
as a creative team in this moment when you we needed you to and thank you for that and and now you're kind of recorded into this group of people so that's something that we're kind of experimenting with that i think will be really interesting um as maybe an alternative and also it's um, you know i was talking to one of our friends who's like one of our collectors and i was kind of saying oh yeah we're thinking about doing this and he's like he's like actually that's kind of cooler because it's something you can't buy right it's like either you were there or you weren't but you know so so it was kind of cool to hear that as like a reaction so that's that's something that we're you know we're trying to figure out ways to play with the mechanics of nfts that are that do kind of reward and recognize people for for showing up for us uh while also not kind of falling into this just like airdrop airdrop utility da 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 da, da kind of meta so that's like kind of one of the experiments that we're trying with this and and we'll see we'll see how it goes i think that's cool and um you know we're also experimenting through ufo um we have Ivano in common among other things and, and voyager yeah. and, and all of that um but we just thought it'd be fun to experiment with this um and collaborate with with the project so what we what we thought to do was we had the ufo genesis pass that we released in in november again as an experiment through through mirror and all that kind of thing to kind of found an early um an early community for the ufo project and so what we're going to do is um open through through pre-mint that genesis pass holders can um put in it's basically a raffle for the ufo community as well to kind of participate through through night run uh i'm not sure if i'm supposed to say not financial advice or anything like that this is you know <laughs> this is all this is all for fun it's totally financial advice <laughs> um it's uh I, nothing on this show is advice it's commentary if anything um exactly but uh but yeah so we, we thought that would be fun um to kind of to kind of do that and um it's going to be fun to see the thing uh come through movie uh if you're listening now like we're publishing this episode uh on monday ahead of uh the release is coming uh friday so if you're timely that's right yeah. if you're timely tuning into ufo um you get a, a few days uh heads up of like night run that's coming this friday look at us it's like who would have thought it's like live the well-oiled machine <laughs> <laughs> We're not, not so awesome. far from the live radio meta uh, again. Yeah, exactly. Getting closer and closer. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to, you know, to offer those slots for the UFO folks. And I'm, I'm really, you know, enjoying what you guys have been doing with the with the podcast and the community so far. I'm a proud UFO pass holder myself. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, just super excited for that collaboration and excited for the UFO folks to come out on Friday, January 27th for our Mint. Thanks so much for for coming on the show. It's been really fun to kind of to to wade out into um, recent NFT experience and and what's been happening in the space. And appreciate what you guys are are jamming on. And looking forward to kind of see what see what comes uh, in the future. Yeah. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks so much for having me on. And uh, can't wait to see what you guys get up to as well. Thank you again to Mado for coming on UFO. You can find him on Twitter at M-A-T-C-O underscore M-A-T-C-O. Links to his socials and projects are in the show notes at ufo.mirror.xyz. Thanks to our sponsors who made this episode possible. To get started with Zerian and create your new crypto wallet, head to zerian.io. To join the Lens ecosystem and explore the future of Web3 social, be active around UFO, engage with us on Twitter. We're looking forward to invite 
as many listeners as we can. Subscribe and collect our NFTs at ufoclub.lens. This is Nick Collins signing off from UFO.